Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Paola Diana and this is Unleashed, the Game Changers. Today we are talking about energy. We are talking about energy with an award-winning life coach and the author of Energize, Simon Alexander Ong. Thank you, Simon, for being here with us. Paolo, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here because uh, energy is such an important topic mm. for myself, but for everyone, I think, because we all struggle sometimes with mm. low energy, with days where we don't feel so good and mm. we can't really act as we should. So <laughs> you are the person to tell us how we can change our life. Correct? Definitely. In fact, we, we all know uh, that energy is everything. If we go back in history, the Chinese refer to it as qi, the Maori culture, yeah. they call it mana. In yoga, uh, which I know you practice, yeah. <laughs> uh, they sometimes refer to it as prana. Uh, and yes. in the Star Wars film franchise, they, they refer to it as the force. I but love Star Wars. We're all talking about the same thing, which is energy is a life force, and, and we all possess it. The yeah. analogy that comes to my mind to help people understand energy is when you go to a bar or you go to somewhere social, and two people come up to you, you feel attracted to start a conversation with one more than the other, but you can't explain why. Yeah, right. There's a certain energy. And that's what energy is. It's this universal language that has no words, yet you and I feel it. And so when we do things that are aligned to who we are, we have this experience of what we call flow. When we do things which go against who we are, we have a bit of tension inside of us. Yeah. It's that, you said just now, exhausted and feeling drained sometimes. That's what it feels like inside of us. When you do something that excites you, you're energized and motivated. When you don't, an hour can feel like a whole day has just gone by. Yeah, so how can we change that? How can we make ourselves like something that we don't like? Is it possible? Mm, well, first of all, at the deepest level, we cannot make ourselves like something we don't like. Exactly, right? Yeah, it's so difficult. this is where uh, understanding mm. the dimensions of energy is important uh, mm. because we are not linear beings living a linear path, we're multi-dimensional beings living a multi-dimensional path. So what that means is that energy has also multi-dimensions. We have the physical, we have the emotional, we have the mental, we have the spiritual. And the spiritual is an important piece of that puzzle. Yeah. When you do something which you don't enjoy, which doesn't align to your strengths or your talents, of course you're going to be low on spiritual energy. But when you do something that makes you feel alive, you're high on spiritual energy. So one thing I've observed when you, you know, when you look at society is that many of us are exhausted, not because we are physically doing too much, mm. but because we're doing too little of the things that make us feel alive and often because we are running someone else's race and we don't own our path in life. That's a very interesting point. Mm. Yeah. That's why meditation is so important, right? Because if you're more connected with ourselves mm. and with our space and, mm. and world, I think we become uh, more energetic. Indeed, is it true? and I think there is truth to the uh, activity of meditation because it connects us to our true self. You know, that's why the popular saying, the longest journey that we as humans make are the inches from our heads to our hearts is so yeah. true. Yeah. Because meditation allows us to take that journey inward. And within that silence, we can make sense of the noise that is outside of us. And if we look at the last couple of years where the world has retreated inside because of the COVID pandemic, what we've noticed is that more and more people have started to understand what is important, what matters most and what doesn't. Yeah. And it has propelled them to make different decisions. And that's why meditation or being in a meditative state allows us to see more clearly. Yeah. But it's very difficult to meditate, right? I was recently in India and uh, I got uh, a very uh, interesting you know, a teaching by mm. uh, incredible masters, yoga mm. masters. And I, I learned how much, first of all, how much I don't know mm. and uh, how many mistakes I were making before. I really appreciate the type of meditation that is uh, mm. uh, finding awareness awareness yeah. of your thoughts mm. instead of blocking them because it's quite impossible right to block it's, and it's empty impossible your brain. to block yeah. uh, thoughts because the thoughts just pop up all the time and i think to make it easier because when often we think about meditation and why it's hard it was when we conjure up an image of meditation we think we have to sit in a silent room have calming music and plants around us now if that's the only form of meditation we're never going to have time to do it yeah and so an easier step to experience the same thing, but at a lighter level, is to put yourself into a meditative state. 
Now we can achieve that through doing activities such as journaling, swimming, walking in nature. These produce the same chemical effects in the brain. You're putting yourself at ease, you're relaxing the mind, you're not focused on work, you're disconnecting from your desk and your mobile phone and laptops, and you're entering a state of awareness. And that's some small ways that we can make it easier for ourselves. That's very interesting. Thank you mm. for sharing. <laughs> so to your clients, because I know you do one-on-one coaching mm. and also big conferences. But to your clients, he also suggests to start uh, walking and have more time for themselves to, to just think and being connected with nature, I guess, right? Yeah, so every client's different. So what one client can apply, another client might not be able to. So to give an example, if somebody has to be in an office most days of the week, it's going to be very difficult for them to go away from their office and yeah. into nature. But one of the easiest things that we can do, regardless of our circumstances, is we can always schedule in me time into our calendar. You know, when we check our emails and we have a work meeting come in or a social event or a holiday plan pop up, we're quick to say yes and put it into our calendar. But how quick and efficient are we at putting me time into our diaries? Not really. Not really. <laughs> Unfortunately. And so what happens is when we don't, other things always take its place. Yeah. And there will always be something to do if we don't block it out. And it's one of the first things that we can do is simply block an hour a day or hour every couple of days and just have a meeting with yourself. Me time. Wow. Nobody else has to know who that meeting is with. It's just a meeting with yourself where you can go away from the desk, maybe book out a meeting room, journal, plan your week ahead, plan your day ahead, whatever is important to you at the time, or maybe just get some work done away from all that noise outside. Yeah, that's very important, right? Mm. But this is good to become maybe more calm, peaceful. What mm. about getting energized? Mm. What do you suggest? <laughs> well, the first place is physical energy. That for me is the foundation of having good energy mm. in our lives. So when I talk about physical energy, really it's three pillars. It's the sleep we get, yeah. it's what we eat, and it is how we move our bodies. Now, if you don't have those three things in place, you can get all the tips, the strategies, and the hacks, but you just won't be able to apply them in an effective way. Yeah, because you feel exhausted. You feel exhausted before the day's even started. Yeah. So if you're eating bad, if you're not moving your body, and you're not getting sufficient rest, then what happens, it's like running a 100-meter sprint starting 50 meters back yes. when the day is started you're catching up yeah that's all you're doing is you're just catching up throughout the day so you're always going to be playing behind everyone else but what do you suggest to people who can't sleep properly that's really tricky for some 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 people actually the majority <laughs> maybe <laughs> after you are turning you know 30 or 40. it can be tricky but one mm. of the tips i share with people and actually in the book is a concept called check into a hotel room every night Mm. So when I, when I ask clients the question of when was the last time you had deep quality sleep that rejuvenated you, where when you woke up in the morning you felt completely reset, most people tend to reflect on their experiences being abroad. Maybe it was a resort, there was a hotel that comes to mind. And then I ask them, why was that? Why was that the first place that came to your head? And the reason is because hotels and resorts, they're designed to help you relax. Yes. When you check into a hotel, what happens is immediately your body and your mind feels relaxed. And so my challenge to them is how can we recreate that feeling in our home? Because we spend a big chunk of our life in bed sleeping. Yeah. So it makes sense to invest in that. Yeah. How can we make our room a haven, a sanctuary, a place where as soon as we enter it, we feel at ease, we feel calm, and we want to enjoy time in the bedroom? I agree 100%. <laughs> I just invested <laughs> again in my bedroom and mm -hmm. I say to my daughter, it has to be like a five-star hotel. <laughs> totally, totally. And, and, and it yeah. makes sense because once you get your sleep right, yeah. uh, it starts to influence positively other areas of your life. You wake up, you feel calmer, you feel focused. And actually, another good tip to help us sleep better is before we go to bed, plan our next day. Plan your day the night before. Because sometimes what makes people restless in bed is thinking about the next day. Yeah. But if you were to download your thoughts onto paper, organize your thinking, it means when you do retire to bed, you're retiring with a peaceful mind. Yeah. You've got nothing in your mind that you're thinking about because a lot of those thoughts have been put down onto paper. 
you're right. It should mm. it should be like that. Sometimes <laughs> you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about <laughs> what mm. you should do, yeah. you know, the day after. Yeah, it's yeah. Or even if that's the case, and, yeah. and we do have those moments where you might be sleeping and suddenly you have these thoughts you're wrestling with. Have a notepad and pen next to your bed. Write it down. Go back to bed. And you do everything that you preach. No. And I think this is reality. Thank you for the honesty. <laughs> I love that. The honest answer is no. Uh, we are human at the end of the day. Yes. And so, of course, we evolve, we change, there are different constraints. So some of the things uh, I used to do uh, before becoming a parent, I do slightly differently now that I am a parent. Of course. Uh, because the reality is different. So, for example, I, I used to start every day with exercise. Now, I still do, but the order changes because I do want to spend time with my daughter. I want to drop her off at nursery. And then once I've done that, then I go and exercise and go to the gym. So the order has changed. Yeah. How long I do it might change also. And so it's about adapting to the fact that life does change. Yeah, life changes constantly, right? Mm, so mm. we have to learn how to adapt yeah, and, I and think, make the most of it. And I think what's most important when we do think about mm. positive habits and the principles that we apply in our life is that consistency is always better than intensity. Yes. And I think I that's where most people, most people fail. It's because when the new year comes around, we have all these standard resolutions about getting fitter, changing jobs, starting a business, and we go really strong and hard in the first two months, and then we pull back and we stop that habit. And then we make the same resolution the next year, the next year, the next year. Instead, it's far better to start slowly but with consistency. Yes. So if you wanted to exercise and you've never exercised before, just start with five minutes a day. Yeah. That's it. Because that momentum will build you throughout the year. Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> so which are the best three habits that you suggest someone to have in their morning routine? So for me, the best habits are first, it's to move your body. Move your body is so important because it primes your mind for whatever is to come throughout the day. I mean, you may not be motivated to go out and do a workout but i guarantee that once you've done the workout you never regret it yeah because the way you feel after you've done a workout is euphoria you you, you take on a challenge in a very different way the second for me is journaling very powerful simple but powerful and that is because going back to something we we noted earlier about awareness we can't change what we're not aware of yeah and anything to do with personal growth starts with a deep level of awareness. So if we want to seek greater wisdom, it begins with knowing ourselves at a deeper level. And as we get to know ourselves, we become better at relating to other people. So if you are in a position of leadership, that is even more important because that emotional intelligence is how you inspire and influence the people that you lead. So you suggest to write down what we do so during the day, what we will do, there, what we think? There is no right and wrong with journaling. And mm -hmm. so if you are new to the process, it's about having some prompts to guide you at the beginning. Eventually mm -hmm. you find out your own, your own way, your own uh, method of doing it. But at the beginning, it's useful to have some prompts. Yeah. Some ideas could be questions such as, how will I know that today will have been a productive day? That could be a good first question. Another could be, how can I add value to someone's life today, however small? Again, another good question, because when we do give value to someone's life, we feel good as well. That's true. And then the third could be something as simple as, who am I, who am I most grateful for today? Why? And when will I tell them? Oh, that's and what that I mean. is a very powerful question and activity to do. It's true. And it also reminds us of how we need other people of yeah. the impact of other people on our own lives. Yeah, we are social animals, right? Definitely. We have definitely. to share. And sharing love, sharing mm. that we are grateful is yeah. so important, you're right. Because many it's times key. we think mm. about that, but we are not telling the other person. Indeed. And there's a great quote, I can't remember who said it, but the quote goes, feeling gratitude and not expressing it, it's like buying somebody a present and never giving it. And it's powerful because when we do express gratitude with intention, it's not just the person that benefits, but it's us as well. And studies have shown that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. I will definitely do that now. Thank you. And then the yeah. third habit for me uh, is reading. Reading. Now, when I say reading, it doesn't have to be a physical book. It could be reading oh. an e-book. Uh, it could be watching something educational. It could be listening to a podcast. 
something that allows you to start thinking differently. Yes. What you feed your mind, that is powerful. Because if we don't read, if we don't self-educate, what happens we, is we only see the world our way. Yeah. And, and that's not how the world works. There is no one reality, there's only customized reality. So the more we learn, the easier it is to adapt, and the more it is to relate to other people. And, yeah. and so reading for me is such a powerful habit. Yeah, I agree with you. And unfortunately, mm. people, they're not reading as much as they should, right? Mm. Especially books, self-help books. So, I mean, I, I like novels as mm. well, mm. because you need to dream. And daydreaming <laughs> is also <laughs> wonderful, right? It yeah. gives you, I think it gives you happiness as well. And, and, and that's the thing, uh, we, we tend to read only if it's to do with academics. Mm. And most of us, when people ask, when was the last time you did serious reading? Most likely, it was for an exam, or when yeah. we were at college or university. Yeah. But what we forget is that the real education begins once we've left the four rooms of a class, the four walls of a classroom. Yeah. Because the real world, life, that is where the best lessons are learned. Yeah. But yet, many of us stop reading after we've graduated from college or university. You're right, and that's a tragedy. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm lucky because I love reading, so for me it's not something I have to impose myself. Mm. Uh, but I, I wish I had more time to read mm. more. Because the more I read, the more I understand how many things I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Mm. So it's, it's wonderful to learn and to be uh, yeah, inspired about other stories, other people. I love autobiographies mm. as well. I think they're very powerful. That's why also yeah. I love to share stories. Because I think people <laughs> can be you know, inspired by, in this case, change makers. Yeah, and I yeah. think stories are so powerful. I mean, if we look back since the dawn of civilization, when, when we were just hanging around a campfire, sharing stories and sharing what we've been up to. Stories help us to not only understand other people, but as you said, to inspire us to take action. Yeah. If you tell somebody you should execute on the ideas you have, they're not likely gonna do anything about it. Yeah. But if you share with them a story on why it is important to execute on those ideas with urgency, suddenly you awake something inside of them. Yeah. Because you connect with them emotionally. Yes, you're right. Mm. I know this point is very important uh, in your you know, teachings, that the difference between thinking and mm. taking action, right? Mm. Mm. Because uh, you can think a lot and for years, <laughs> but <laughs> taking action is such a more difficult thing to do. Mm. And you need courage, as we were saying before, yeah. right? You need courage to take action. Courage is so important and courage does not mean there are no fears. We are human, we will always have some fears and yes. doubts in our life. Yes. Courage is simply the belief that you will be fine despite the fears and the doubts that you have. And mm. to take that small step also builds confidence. And as you take more and more small steps forward, what happens is that you build momentum. And once you build momentum, you get energized. You start imagining what other possibilities there are. I mean, let me put it this way, uh, because I think it's a very powerful uh, scenario to consider. Imagine if you took just one small step each day. Now we're not saying two, three, four, five steps, just one. Okay. One small step a day. In one year's time from now, that is 365 steps forward. Yeah. Imagine where you could be. And that's just one step. Yeah. You're so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, I think we need to have courage mm. to fail. Because everyone fails. It's human, again, mm. you know? Mm. And it's not the end of the world. It's, it, it's not, and I think we have to redefine our relationship with failure. Yeah. There was a great story I share in the book where Sarah Blakely, the founder of a company called Spanx. I love her. <laughs> she's got an incredible story, hasn't she? Yeah. Uh, she shared in an article uh, that each week her father would sit her down when she was a teenager yeah. and ask her the question, Sarah, what did you fail at this week? And if she did not have an answer, her father wouldn't be happy. Yeah. But if she did have an answer, her father would give her a high five. Now, what her father was trying to do through this question is to redefine failure for Sarah, yes. i.e. failure is not, uh, it, it's not an outcome. Failure in this case is merely not trying. Yes. So what he challenged her to do was to constantly expand her comfort zone something that would prove valuable to her when she became an entrepreneur. Yes, and she did great. <laughs> She's still doing great. Yeah. So, yeah, well done to her father. Mm. It's such a powerful lesson to and give I think, to any child. And I think with failure, it's, it's the fact that when we know what isn't the way, we also know what is the way. 
And that knowledge can only be found through trying things, through experimenting and gaining that experience and knowledge. Yes. You will never succeed if you don't fail, right? Mm. Or you are mm. not, uh, I mean, you're not open to failure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think part of that also is how we are as a person. You know, if we operate from a place of ego, then we see failure as like, why did this happen to me? Yeah. This shouldn't happen to me. We see it in a very negative light. But if we operate from a place of humility, then we're asking questions such as, what else could this mean? What is this trying to teach me? What is the opportunity that it has presented that I would not have had otherwise? Yes. And so the way we respond to what happens to us is where one of our greatest power lies. That's true. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they say, or you win, or you learn. Mm, mm. You never lose. Because exactly. anyway, you tried. You stepped into the mat, mm. you know, into the fight, and you embraced victory or a learning curve. And I think this is where our mindset is so important. Yeah. Uh, because something I mentioned earlier about reality, you know, there is no one reality, there is only customized realities. Yeah. And it is through our thoughts that we paint our reality. We are in control of that paintbrush. We can choose bright, vivid colors on a palette to paint our reality with, or we can choose dark, dull colors. Yeah. But just to be aware that we are the one holding that paintbrush is, is powerful. Because once we know that, we know that we have the power to choose a different thought. Yes. And when we choose a different thought, we drive new behavior. And so on the one hand, many people can see their lens of reality through that of paranoia. Paranoia is, why me? Yes. Why are people sabotaging my chance for promotion? People want me to fail. Yeah. That's when we feel the world is against us. Yeah. But now if we change that lens to one of pronoia, which is the opposite of paranoia, it means that we see the world as working for us. We see life working for us, not against us. Now, I'm not saying if these things are true or not. I'm just saying imagine if you did take that assumption and saw your world as working for you and not against you. Imagine how differently you would respond to everything that life throws your way. Absolutely. Mm. I, I couldn't agree more, Simon, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the story of my life. I, I mm. always uh, put on the positive lenses uh, mm. in order to see everything that was happening around me mm. on a, with a positive outlook, you know, and thinking that I could have done that. Mm. I could have succeeded. Everything can go well, you know, mm. instead of uh, concentrating on the negative things. Because negative things happen to everyone, right? Mm. To you as well, I guess, right? To me as well. I mean, it's normal. That's part of life, right? It's, it's part of life. And, you know, whenever, especially when you embark on a new path, yeah. there are always going to be obstacles, challenges, setbacks, and, and mistakes you're going to make. Yeah. But it's that response we have to that that determines how far we go. Yes. Either we become a victim to them, uh, we become defined by them, or we use those things as fuel for our growth. We use them as springboard and platforms to that next level. Yes, it's not how many times you fall, it's mm. how you will stand up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you are helping people to find the energy and to find the courage mm. to make a change in their lives, correct? It's to discover the energy, it's mm. to have the courage to take action, and also to see their world through lenses of new possibility. Because as you said, many of us, we have a limited frame of thinking. We see only a small number of options. My job is to show them that there are an infinite possibility of options. As I said earlier, we're multidimensional beings. I love that. And that means there's an infinite range of paths that we can take. Now, once we can see that and appreciate that, we realize that we can design our life how we please. We, we become the sculpture and the sculptor. And thereby, through our mind and thought alone, we can adapt ourselves to our reality that works for us and not against us. And that comes through programming into our mind yeah. the future, especially the energetic intensity of the future, as if it was happening in the now. And, and, and this is where we enter, and this is a really fascinating area that I love reading about. This is where we enter the area of quantum leaping. So... If you've, if you've ever studied astrophysics, uh, there's a concept called a wormhole. Yeah. So, so basically put, if we have a sheet of paper and you have a dot on one side and a dot on another, the quickest way, logically speaking, is to draw a line from one side of the paper to the other. You travel from one side to the other. But the wormhole idea is imagine you could take that piece of paper, fold it in half, and now you've transported to that other point quicker. 
It's the same concept in life. What if you could quantum leap, do something in months that would take the majority years or decades to achieve? And the way we do that is simply by understanding that actually we can manipulate things within our reality through the thoughts that we have in our brain. And it begins with visualization. You know, there's a great story uh, I share in a book about Bruce Lee. Yes. In 1969, he was unknown to the world. He was struggling financially. He just had his second child, Shannon. And the one role he had on a TV show called The Green Hornet lasted only one season. But he sat down. He got a, paper, uh, a piece of paper out. He stamped the word secret at the top and the bottom. And he wrote in very definitive words, I, Bruce Lee, will be the highest paid oriental superstar in the United States. In return, I would deliver the most exciting performances in my capacity as an actor. From 1970, I will be world famous, and until 1980, I will have in my possession $10 million. It was crystal clear, it was definitive. Yet at the time, many people would say it is impossible. And he took that paper, he read it out aloud every single day, programming that energetic intensity of something that was in the future into the now as if it was happening, as if he was operating from that future Bruce Lee. Fantastic. A year later, when he returned to Hong Kong, he found that that one TV show became a runaway success, and he was the star of the show. He wasn't seen as a supporting actor. He was seen as the star of the show. In fact, they renamed the show, not The Green Hornet, but The Cato Show, after his name in that show. And then studio bosses in Hong Kong wanted his signature. They, they came out with two films, The Way of the Dragon and Fist of Fury, which together made nearly a quarter billion dollars in, in takings. Wonderful story. That then got him a ticket to write his own film, Enter the Dragon, with Warner Brothers. And before he died, four years it took to accomplish everything on that piece of paper. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing, <laughs> Simon. I didn't know these stories. Mm. I find it brilliant. Mm. Uh, Bruce Lee was an icon, uh, mm. genius, literally. And what a story. So the power of visualization. Definitely, because yeah. we have to see a future first in the mind before we can manifest yes. in physical reality. And, and that's why I love the idea of understanding the, the pathways in our brain. Yeah. Because unless we can see it first here and believe it can happen, we can't transform the formless into form. It stays in the world of formless. We've got to start seeing how the mechanics of these things come together. Once we have the blueprint here, then it's then having the courage to take that and put it into the physical reality. Wonderful. And you do the same with your own life? Yeah, I, I, I love experimenting with the sort of insights and wisdom I gain in my own life. You follow oriental uh, disciplines like, I don't know, spiritual disciplines, uh, martial arts. Uh, tell us yeah. something more. So I grew up learning martial arts. When I was young, I studied karate. When I went to university, I studied taekwondo. But my favorite was Wing Chun. Now, the reason why Wing Chun is my favorite is because there is a lot of philosophy behind it. And also because Wing Chun was started uh, by a female. I didn't know. Yeah, not by, not by men. Many martial arts were started by men. Yes. But this was one of the martial arts that was actually started by a female nun. And the reason she started it was because she observed that if she was to get into a fight with a man at the time that it was founded, she could never win. Because when you pit strength against strength, it's impossible to win. Yeah. So what she wanted to understand was how could a woman use a man's strength against him in order to win a fight even if the woman was not strong. And that's where she came up with the idea for Wing Chun, which is using energy against the male opponent. And the myth that got Wing Chun popular back in those days was when a, a Chinese warlord came into a village and he wanted a hand in marriage of a beautiful woman. But the beautiful woman already had interest in another person. And so the warlord challenged her, if you can defeat me in a fight, you can marry who you want she didn't know how to fight. So she sought the counsel of someone called Ning Mui, and she was the founder of Wing Chun. Wing Chun was the name of the woman who eventually defeated the warlord. And she learned all she had to for Wing Chun, and she used that to astound the crowd by defeating the warlord in a Fantastic. few moves. Fantastic, how many <laughs> years ago? 
I don't know how many years ago it is, but it's an ancient myth uh, about how the martial arts started. And from that point, everybody wanted to learn it. Everybody, man, woman, child, wanted to learn the martial arts. I want to learn it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So I love drawing uh, from those stories, uh, especially Eastern stories, Eastern philosophy, yeah. bringing it into the Western world, yeah. blending it with the practicalities of the everyday. There's so and, much wisdom. And just bringing those things together. Yeah. And it's wonderful mm. what you do because there is mm. so much wisdom in Oriental philosophies. Definitely. So much when definitely the Chinese, but also Japanese, mm. Indian. I recently started studying the Vedanta, the Vedas, uh, yeah. and it's uh, incredible philosophy. It's universal. Apparently, mm. all religions started from this philosophy that mm. uh, was uh, written almost four thousand years before, you know, yeah. Jesus. Christ. And it's incredible because a lot of this stuff is is things that we can observe around us. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, just as we're speaking, another story comes to the top of my mind about the Chinese farmer which talks about how we actually design the reality we want ourselves. Yeah. Because one morning he saw his horse escape from the village and these neighbors came up to him and said, what bad luck that you've lost your horse. And the farmer simply responds with maybe, maybe not. The next morning the horse returns with four wild horses. The neighbors rejoice and they say, what great luck. The farmer says, maybe, maybe not. The next day, the farmer's son tends to one of the wild horses and breaks his leg in the process. The neighbors come together and say, what bad luck? The farmer says again, maybe, maybe not. And on the final day of the week, the army moves through the village recruiting all able-bodied men to fight in the great war, except the farmer's son. The neighbors again say, what great fortune that your son does not have to fight in the war. The farmer says, maybe, maybe not. And I think why I love that story is because so many of us are like the neighbors. We tend to overreact yeah. or get stuck in our emotions very quickly. But imagine if we were to respond in the same way as the old farmer, to pause, to reflect, and to understand that we create our reality. Yeah. There is no good or bad, happy or sad. Mm -hmm. We interpret an event, we bring meaning to an event in how we see it. Yes, wonderful. <laughs> You're so wise. <laughs> so tell us more about your story because I'm curious, how did you get where you are now? Sure. So I've not always done this. I, I, I grew up uh, to two Malaysian Chinese parents and I had this belief for a long time that I had to become a banker, a doctor, a lawyer or an accountant, very traditional yes, paths I understand. Uh, that parents tend to encourage their children yeah. to seek. And I think the beginning of my journey to where I am today really started in 2008 because the company that I, that I worked for, Lehman Brothers, collapsed into administration. Yes. This was the beginning of the global financial crisis. Mm -hmm. And it got me questioning what I really wanted to do because for so long I was pursuing other people's definitions of success. Yes. Money, company, status, brand, and so on. But then I started going inward, asking myself questions such as, Simon, what sort of impact do you want to have in the world? What does fulfillment look like to you personally? Not other people, but to you, what does fulfillment look like? And I started brainstorming all these ideas to those questions. And it got me on the journey of wanting to explore beyond my industry. And I started running two businesses on the side of my nine to five job. They didn't work out. And so I continued to reflect, what is it that I'm meant to do? And then I realized that many of my friends and colleagues would always come to me when they had a big decision to make, they were going for a challenge, or they needed counsel or advice with regards to their personal professional life. But I didn't know I could make a, a career out of it. And I remember my wife coming up to me and she said, I've seen a, an event on social media, I think you should have a look at it. It's all about coaching. And so I go along, it's a two-day weekend event, very skeptical because I never heard about the industry. Sure. But by the end of it, I was won over. I was like, where do I sign? Where do I get my qualification? How do I learn more about the coaching as a skill? Yeah. And it would then take a few more years after that to have the courage to then leave behind my corporate job. Of course. And then to start by coaching people one-to-one. -one. So that's how my journey started. And once I started coaching people one-to-one, -one, I really enjoyed seeing the transformation they were going through. And then before long, you know what it's like sometimes, you start a path and suddenly all these new branches open. Yes. I started to get invitations to speak. And then I was invited to speak on BBC, on Sky News. And then just as the world was entering 
the COVID pandemic and lockdowns, I then had a conversation with Penguin about writing my first book. Fantastic. I love <laughs> your story. And you had the courage to change. Mm. And it's so important. Think about if you didn't have that courage, right? If you Indeed. didn't uh, have the courage to leave uh, a stable and well-paid job for the unknown. Mm. Because you didn't know if you could have succeeded, right? I didn't know. And I looked at a lot of my colleagues. And I remembered many of them were saying to me things such yeah. as, when I get that promotion, then I'll start my business. One day when I'm rich, I'll start this, I'll start that. I didn't want to be one of those people that would just keep saying one day, one day, one yes. day. And so what I had to do was do something that I describe as being like Superman, but without the superpowers, which is I was going to work with a suit on and I would have in my bag my black t-shirt and jeans and I would go into the toilet cubicle to change into that, to go to events throughout the day or to meet prospect clients. So it was like I was living two lives for a number of years before I could eventually say, yep, I can now leave and I'm going to put my 100% energy into building this. Wonderful. <laughs> Do you think you can feel the energy of someone now that you are an expert? Definitely. I yeah. think we can all feel energy if we listen to it. You, you know, when you... Uh, go to a social event, for example, and you start having conversations with people, you can feel people's energy. Uh, we all emit a, a vibration. And so when people say, I really enjoyed this person's company, what they're actually saying is I really enjoy the energy that this person emits. So you think we are all attracted by people with a high level of energy? Definitely. It's, it's what I call operating at a certain frequency. You know, when you are coming from a negative place, you are operating at a very low frequency. Yeah. And people can feel that. It's like if you're working yeah. in a company and, and your boss has had a bad weekend. Now, when he comes into the office, you can already sense yeah. <laughs> they've woken up on the wrong side of the bed. And yeah. so we change the way we respond to that. The same thing happens the other way. Yeah. If the boss comes in and they're really happy and excited because they've just come back from holiday, you can feel that energy as well. And, and that is why people in leadership positions, they are what, what I would call thermostats of energy within the setups and environments that they operate in. They influence the energy of other people. 100%. Mm. I'm sure mm. about that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why also we have responsibilities, right? Mm. And it's better maybe not to go out there when you have a very bad energy. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> or you had Definitely. a very bad night's sleep. <laughs> Definitely. And that's why I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give other people is our presence and our energy. It's true. You know, people do not want our time as much as they want our energy. Uh, I'll give an example. Someone may say to me, when I ask them the question, uh, how much quality time do you spend with your children or your partner? Now, someone may say to me, oh, I spent three hours last night having dinner with my, with my partner and, and our children. And the next question I ask is always a bit telling. I then say, well, how present were you in the time that you were with them? Yeah. Because many of us, we may say we spend three hours with someone or with our family. But is that three hours with them physically, but mentally on your phone, on your devices and distracted? Yeah. Or is that actually being there fully present and immersed in the moment with them? And they're two different things. 100%. And people want our energy more than our time. It's true. And I think it's also very important in our relationship, right? Mm, mm. Do you also help people to find uh, and revitalize energy within their relationships? Definitely, because relationships are, are, are so important. In fact, one of the greatest hacks in personal growth is who our partner is, yeah. both in a professional and a personal setting. So if you have a bad business partner or you have a bad partner in your personal life, that is going to have a much bigger impact than yeah. you know. Yeah. because they are the people that you are going to spend most of your time with. Yeah. And so what they say, how they behave, how they act around you, that's really going to change and affect who you are. Yeah. Also, you share energy with the people you mm. spend time with. It's a chemical reaction. Definitely. Definitely. That is why environment is so important. You know, I often get asked the question, Paola, yeah. what is the fastest way to make progress in our life, our career, or our business? Simply put, it is the design and environment around us that makes it impossible not to succeed. Now, it's not just the people we spend time with, of course. It's what we watch. It's who we listen to. It's who we follow on social media. Even the physical spaces influence how we see ourselves and what we see as possible. 
I love this, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so how many times do you think a person should uh, spend with you uh, on, and having your coaching in order to change uh, their energy? I, w whenever I work with new clients, I, I always suggest a minimum of six months. Many go on and work for me for a lot longer. I'm sure. But I always suggest a minimum of six months, and that is because there is no such thing as an overnight success, only an overtime success. And six months gives the client and me the opportunity to see how they have progressed, how they've put things into action, and how they have felt in terms of changes inside of them. After just one or two sessions, yes, there might be some changes, but it's still too early to tell. Yeah, maybe it's the euphoria of the beginning, right? Indeed, it's, it's like, like sugar falling rush. in love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the real love is after a while, right? Exactly. You, can, you can tell if it's staying, you know, uh, stable or it goes down. <laughs> it's the same, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And you become friends with your clients as well, or no? I do, but in a very different way to a normal friend. Mm. Because at the end of the day, I, I say to my clients, you're not hiring me to be your friend mm. you're hiring me to challenge you yes because friends as, as great as they are sometimes they won't challenge you yeah. they will say you're doing great everything's great i can't wait for this to come out this is going to be amazing but it's rare they'll say have you thought about this i'm not so sure about that what have you done to find out more about this whereas coaching is about challenging people's perceptions and that for me is where the where the change occurs you know, somebody says, Simon, if this happens, then this. I get curious. I go, what else could it mean? And then we start exploring. And that is where I think the value comes from having a very powerful conversation together. That's an interesting point, absolutely. Mm. Even though real friendship, I think, should challenge you. Indeed. So, but yeah, there are not so many real friends, right? Around yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You might know many people, but the real friends are... Yeah, I mean, it reminds few. me, I because uh, I'm always in coaching mode because I'm very curious about people. So mm. I remember recently I was at an event, uh, a mutual friend's birthday, and I met uh, a lady there, and she was also writing a book. And she shared with me, Simon, I love the fact that you've published your book. I'm in the process of writing my book, but it's the fourth year now and I'm still trying to finish the book. So I got very curious because that raised a few questions in my head. And so I said to, them, I said to her, how come you're still writing the book? Four years sounds like a long time. Mm. And then she started to open up. She said, oh, it's because this has happened and, and that has happened and, and I haven't had time to do this and I haven't had time to do that. And, and then I got even more curious. I was like, is it because you haven't had the time or is there something that is preventing you from making the progress you want? And then she started opening up again. And so we got into a very deep conversation. But by the end of it, she felt inspired to want to finish it. But that for me was just coming from a place of curiosity. Often people don't want our advice. Uh, sometimes it's just opening up their mind to something they already know inside of them, yeah. but they just need to be reminded of. It's true. No, but I can tell you're a natural coach. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it comes naturally to you, right? Mm. It's your mission in life. And this is wonderful mm. because you're helping so many people. Mm. It's such an important, you know, uh, thing to gain energy, to gain confidence and courage. It is. I think that yeah. we all go through this, this journey. I've gone through the same journey as well. And, and the journey I'm referring to is shifting our attention away from career virtues to legacy virtues. Career virtues are things such as what company do you work for? Yeah. Uh, how much money do you earn? Where do you live? These are what we call career virtues, yeah. which are the things we like to put on our CV, the things that we like to show off to other people. Legacy virtues, however, are very different. They're softer. They're things such as how many lives have you impacted? What story did you write? How will people remember you when you've gone? These are a lot softer. Yeah. Yet when we do pass from this world, people don't look at your career virtues. Yeah. You don't imagine people reading out your eulogy. This person worked the longest hours in the office, they got the title of managing director of the fastest, and lived in a very nice house. They don't talk about that. That's they true. talk about the legacy virtues. And I think as we get wiser, we begin to understand that that is actually what we're working towards. Yeah, it's so important, mm. so important. And that's real success, I think. That because is real success. Mm. Money, you know, it's, it's just an instrument. It's good if you can earn it, but mm. it's just an instrument. And we shouldn't be defined by our office work. Mm. We should be defined by our overall existence, what we do 
Mm. Also with the, within our family, you know, it's Definitely. so important to be a good father, mm. a good mother, a good child as well, you know. Mm. And, and we don't give enough importance to this, if you think yeah. about it, right? And, and when I think about value, because I think we all have value to offer to the world, yeah. when I think about our, our value, for me, it's determined by how much more we have given to the world than we've taken from it. And given to the world, as you said, it can be family. It can be our social circle and community. It can be the, the people we lead. It can be the people we serve, our clients or whoever we come across. There is always an opportunity for us to serve and to add value in every interaction, to leave people better off than before they met us. Yes, and then you can sleep better at night, I guess, right? Mm, that's what brings meaning and purpose into our life. Yes, purpose is the real key word for a meaningful life. Indeed, and when we think about purpose, once we understand what our vocation is, once we know what we were put on this planet to do, we actually awaken one of the greatest energy sources there is within us. You know, it's like when people are fighting for cause, they will travel across continent and countries to rally together with their fellow colleagues to fight for cause. When you believe in something, you find the energy and the motivation and the fire to move forward, to make progress and to turn the invisible into the visible. That's true. Mm. Yeah, it gives you the passion that you need to Definitely. step forward and to make sacrifice as well. Definitely. And, and on, on the idea of sacrifice, we're always making trade-offs. In life, life, in fact, is all about trade-offs. Yeah. You, you know, at any point we have a choice. Do we choose to spend our time this way or we choose to spend our time that way? And the choice that we make determines whether we move quickly up our trajectory or whether we're stagnant or whether we actually move downwards. Yes. It's a choice, you're right. Mm. In my opinion, also being happy in life is a choice. You choose to mm. be happy every day. It's a choice. Definitely. And for me, it begins with gratitude. Um, I mean, it's why I mentioned one of the questions earlier, is to think about who you can be grateful for. You're right. Write the name of that person down and why, and then give them a call. Or at a minimum, drop them a voice note, yeah. because they have to hear your voice. Our voice carries energy. I love this. If we only write a text message, they have to make up what the emotion is. Yeah. They can't know how you're coming across when you say those words. But when they hear your voice, what happens is they feel energy. Yeah. They can relate to the emotion that comes across from the words you say through a voice note or a telephone call or an in-person meeting. It's so wonderful. <laughs> I will start doing that. <laughs> mm. And actually, that's how yeah. we feel happier quicker. Yes. Because once we start expressing gratitude with intent yeah. and we realize how blessed we are, I mean, one of the things I get my audiences to reflect on is that while most of us wish we would win the national or the regional lottery, what we forget is we have already won the greatest lottery there is going, the lottery of life. Yeah. When we become grateful for that, the question we have to then ask ourselves is what are we going to do with that winning ticket of ours? Yeah. What are we going to do with that ticket that we're holding in our hands? Simon, do you believe we only have one life or other lives after departing this planet? I believe we have infinite lives um, because I think our, conscience, our consciousness does not die when we in our bodies die because we're spiritual beings living a human existence. And so I believe that our spirit continues. Now I cannot say to where uh, because I don't have that insight or knowledge, but I do believe that our spirit continues in some form. And that's why the process of living this human existence is really about becoming the person we know we can be. Yeah. It's not so much about the goals, the achievements, the accomplishments. Those things, yes, are important for our self-esteem and for us to feel confident and, and for us to share with others. But the real reward is who we become in the process of getting there. Even if we don't get there, the fact that we have evolved and gone through a metamorphosis, that is the greatest reward. Yeah, and you were telling me before about energy, that energy mm. never dies, right? Energy is not created or destroyed. It can only be transformed to a different matter. And, and that's the same with us because we are just energy. So we will be transformed into something else once we pass from this world. That's wonderful. So you believe mm. also in karma? Indeed. Indeed. Because again, karma is all about energy. Yeah. You know, the more energy you put out into the world, the more energy you get back. Yes. You put negative energy out, guess what? You get negative energy back. Yeah. You put positive energy out, guess what? You start to attract positive energy yeah. back. Energy is the same thing with karma, the way I see it. And so how we treat others is how eventually we become treated. Yeah. 
It's also a way to uh, accountability, right? To give mm. ourselves the idea that we are responsible yeah. for our actions and we're responsible, we will pay the price of our actions in the mm. future. In fact, responsibility mm. is something many of us can't accept or can't manage. You know, responsibility is where life truly begins. Once we yeah. accept responsibility for where we are right now, where we want to go, yeah. That is when life truly yeah. begins. And then once we know where we want to go, it's courage. And then for me, it's being committed. You know, there's a big difference between interest and commitment. Interest is when you say, I should, I need, I could. Yeah. Commitment is I must and I will. It's definitive. When we commit to something, we've made a decision. We are going to do this. When it's an interest, you're 50-50 still. You haven't decided. You might do it, you're but right. you might not. Right. But when you're committed, now your brain moves to how. How am I gonna do it? Who do I need to speak with? But until you're committed, you can't move to that next step mentally. That's wonderful. Mm. So I suggest everyone to read your book, <laughs> Energized, because I think here there are many questions about how to become committed, mm. right? Definitely. How Definitely. to higher the level of your energy, mm. how to become a better human being overall, I guess. Mm. Yeah. It's, it will guide you on how you can elevate your own energetic quality of thoughts, but also understand how to reset, rejuvenate on a regular basis so you can sustain that energy over a long period and not burn out in the process. Yeah, because it's, it's important, right, also to keep re-energize them because mm. especially when we are middle-aged I think we see a level of uh, energy that goes lower yeah definitely. definitely and that's why again it's that awareness I mean there's a great story I show in the first chapter about an 80 year old woman who looks if you see the pictures of her she looks like she's 50 or 60 Wow. because she weight trained she's a bodybuilder at 80 uh, she runs marathons she's on the cover of magazines she's written books she speaks at conferences yet she's 80 Wonderful. It's an incredible story, but it just shows that how we approach our energy not only influences how we show up each day, but it also contributes to a longer lifespan. I believe in that, 100%. <laughs> That's my goal, actually. <laughs> so I would definitely Club 100. <laughs> read your book, even 120. Indeed. Yeah, <laughs> no limits. <laughs> oh, Simon, it's great what you're doing, honestly. Mm. So I wish you will write another book very soon. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> Commitment. Indeed, indeed. And I will wait for you here on the white sofa anytime soon to share with us other secrets about Definitely. how to be more energized and help others to live a better life. I look forward to it. Thank you so much yeah. for having me, Paola. Thank you, Simon. It was lovely to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for being here with us today. Again, energize. I love the energy of this man. And I think you can change your life just being inspired by his words and his actions as well and stay tuned because we will have other interesting guests coming very soon share with your friends and don't forget to subscribe bye